Welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. I am your host, Bridget Conry, coming to you from the dialed studio at Hula on the shores of beautiful Lake Champlain in Burlington, Vermont. In today's episode, we speak with Ansem During, founder and CEO of Ecologic Solutions based in Brooklyn, New York. Anselm is a clean tech pioneer and respected leader in sustainability. In recent years, he has turned his company's attention to the cannabis industry, bringing environmentally preferable, cleaning and sanitizing solutions to both production facilities and cultivation operations. This episode is for all the licensed operators out there that want to be clean and green. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Hey there, and welcome back. This is our first episode in season three. Thanks for hanging with us over the break. We have been super busy the past couple of months preparing to open our retail store in Burlington, as well as planning and recording season three. I'm happy to report that we have a lot of great content lined up for you this summer and fall. If you have not already, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends, family, and business associates. By doing so, you will help us gain a wider audience and compete in a crowded field of podcasts. We love what we do, and we believe that the information and stories we share build stronger, healthier communities. Thanks so much for listening. We truly wouldn't be doing it without you. All right, on to our conversation with Anselm During of Ecologic Solutions. To begin, Anselm is a friend of mine. We have known each other for over 20 years. We met in Woodstock, New York, where Anselm continues to live with his wife, my friend George, and two kids. Our young families grew up together those early years, and we learned how to be parents. We shared a common perspective of living light on the land, and were early adopters of the three R's. Remember those? Reduce, reuse, and recycle. During this time, I watched Anselm create Ecologic Solutions, a manufacturer and provider of environmentally preferable, institutional-grade cleaning and sanitizing products and technology. This clean technology eliminates large volumes of plastic, harsh chemicals, and carbon emissions from the environment. Over the years, Ecologic Solutions has grown in size and scope. It is now recognized as a leader in this space and is the only certified B Corp in its class. Anselm and his team boast bellwether partners and customers such as the City of New York, Google, Compass Group, Bright Farms, Bay State Milling, and Aramark. Ansem is a regular speaker on the sustainability circuit. He has spearheaded numerous world industry firsts, advanced studies, published papers, and influenced regulatory bodies such as the EPA, USDA, FDA, and Green Seal. In 2020, he was recognized by Real Leaders and EarthX as an Earth advocate and one of, quote, 70 environmental leaders you should know next to Jane Goodall and Yvonne Schwinar of Patagonia. We spoke to Ansem upon his return from the 2023 CanMed Conference, an annual event focused on cannabis science and innovation, hosted by Medicinal Genomics. There, he presented agricultural studies, which demonstrate the potential for his company's technology to prevent and eradicate several common pathogens that affect our industry. 
The hot topic at the conference was hop latent viroid, a virus that is infecting cannabis crops across the nation, reducing both yields and cannabinoid content. On June 8th, the CCB confirmed that hop latent viroid had been detected at a licensed Tier 1 cultivation site in Vermont. You can find out more about Ecologic Solutions and some of the case studies that Ansem referred to in our conversation by checking the links in the show notes. Okay, let's get into it. All right, Ansem Daring, welcome to the High Fidelity Podcast. Glad to be here. I've known you a while. We've known each other for probably over 20 years now, and we've been talking about sustainability and and taking care of the environment for a lot of years. You know, you were a pioneer in this space, uh, and you've been acknowledged for that. I mean, you've been working on, like, the green clean <laughs> for a long time, and you started really from the heart and small, like, I think out of your own apartment <laughs> in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about, like, your connection, like, why you're so passionate about this place, and how you got started, and then we'll kind of evolve into now how you're working with these clean chemicals in the agricultural space. So sure. why are you doing this? <laughs> why am I doing this? Well, I love what I do. And I think being an entrepreneur is one thing, but the other half is what is your mission and is that compelling and enough to keep me interested and excited and keep that passion bank full? Yeah, I never thought I'd be in sales, but all although I was the chief salesperson to my friends, if we ever had to do something, you know, or wanted to do something, I was always pitching hardcore. How I was raised, I think, set the foundation. My father was a naturalist, biochemist, PhD, and my mom, the nutritionist, uh, you know, from Colorado, small area. And uh, our vacation every year was going to a national or state park. And we were charged myself uh, and my three older siblings to leave the campsite better than the way we found it. They were very conservative with resources and so forth. So I think that set the foundation. And then out of college, my brother started this eco store concept that I was in between gigs right out of college. So I got involved and got sucked in for almost 10 years. <clears throat> and in that oh, wow. store, it was called Earth General, for the record, in the Park Slope, Brooklyn area. Mm-hmm. And we <clears throat> had 12 different departments, no food pet food, but no food other than that. And one of the departments, the more popular departments was cleaning products. We even had a refill bar and this was in the nineties. We had, I don't know, almost 20 different cleaning products. People would come in and have cleaned out mayonnaise jars and we'd charge them by the ounce for like laundry detergent that was uh, plant-based and smelled edible. It was fantastic performer, natural ingredients. And that set the stage for my next mission, which is this company, Ecologic Solutions. And uh, literally when my wife, your uh, friend, everyone calls her George, she was yes. <laughs> we were driving upstate here where we met in Woodstock. And I walked into a rest stop restroom, having all this knowledge of eco products, the impact statistics. I was kind of the chief product officer, information officer in that small retail business. And I walk into this rest stop restroom on the way up here, and it was boasting in a big poster, proud to be cleaned by Lysol, sponsored by Marriott. And I was taken aback. I'm like, ew, Lysol used to be a morning after spray in the 20s and the 40s, and Marriott's a right to life family. What's going on? And so that's when I had the aha moment in my professional life and knew there was a lot of green options for the consumer 
but not for businesses. And uh, so we set out on our mission to introduce environmentally preferable, strictly environmentally preferable, cleaning, maintenance, sanitizing products for businesses. So B2B is our business model, business to business, commercial users only. And I saw that there was a ton of opportunity. Everybody was interested. So obviously in the world of sales, I didn't want to be the hard pitch guy and try to sell cutlery. But if I could <laughs> sell environmentalism, I could go crazy on it. So that really set the mission for ecologic solutions and my passion and a lot of opportunity in businesses. They always thought green products or cleaning products always got swept under the rug. It's funny, you referenced something earlier that most people don't realize that even air fresheners or if those automatic spritz deodorizers in restrooms, that goes down the drain into our water as well. So yeah. the impact cycle of cleaning products, our largest organ is our skin, uh, lungs, uh, you know, these are serious and eyes, you know, for users that are custodians using products all the time. In your industry or in the cannabis industry, uh, the growing industry, they use a lot of harsh chemicals to try to sanitize if they are doing that. Mm -hmm. And so it really set the mission. And I think early on in that mission of selling hand soap and cleaning products, dish machines, dish machine detergent and whatnot, we discovered another technology that is innovative and disruptive today. And so many major organizations, companies are very interested in. So something that you just said right now, before we kind of move on to the ECA technology that you do, is that you said, if they're doing it, <laughs> the sanitizing part. Yeah. And that's, that is an important one. And I don't think that this is, you know, just for cannabis businesses. I mean, I think that you know, I come from the restaurant industry, you know, and I've seen a lot of dirty kitchens. Um, yeah. So it's definitely a mentality, you know, to to run a clean and organized space. And I will say that the, the cannabis industry coming out of its place uh, in, you know, the illegal market and where it had to be, there wasn't a lot of that. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of it has transitioned into the legal market. I have been in a lot of licensed cannabis businesses throughout the United States and have been really surprised at the state of affairs, just mm -hmm. in terms of general cleanliness. You know, I think that's one of the places, and this is why we're having this conversation, actually, because it's so important, you know, and yeah. it's why we need regulation. You know, it's why I want, like, the health department involved, um, you know, regulating kitchens and, you know, and whatever. I don't want over-regulation, you know, because it's burdensome and it's costly and we already have so many challenges in this industry. But sure. we need to have eyes on things to know that things are being done in a way where it's clean and safe. And you have to have buy-in on that. You know, I mean, we've been talking about your product line for a while because in my old business, you know, before I stopped working there, we were starting to transition your products in and it takes a leader you know, someone has got to have total buy-in and has to be the captain because mm -hmm. it's like, it's hard to change habits, even if you know that it's the right thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're, you're touching on a few really important points. I mean, in my fresh perspective on the cannabis industry, there's no real industry standard when it comes to cleaning and maintenance and sanitizing, but you share a lot in the same pathogens and food, uh, mm -hmm. food manufacturing, E. coli, ugh. you know, I mean, I was hearing you mentioned CanMed, how one particular technologist decided not to work with a particular uh, grower because they had so much E. coli in their flour, in their drying area that she didn't want to touch it as yes. their business. 
So it, that's what I've learned too. There's not just with the tech, but with the, this tech in particular, it's so market versatile and we really want to help farms. And there's a lot of ways to do that with this tech. Yeah. All right. So you started, I mean, Ecologic Solutions started primarily servicing like hospitality, large facilities, food manufacturing, entertainment venues, hospitals, right? I mean, you were working with both the, the um, you know, turning their cleaning products to green, but also their sanitizing, right? And you just recently moved into agriculture. Yes, a couple of years ago. Was it the ECA technology that allowed you to move into agriculture? Yes. And for a long time, environmental impact-driven entrepreneur, I have to say now I'm in my 50s that the top targets I have are food and farming. You know, if I were to focus on one thing and I want to you know, focus on a legacy, ultimately, it's going to be food and farming. So, yeah, and the technology is the penultimate skeleton key to open that and a lot of applications in farming. Hmm. And so talk about what ECA technology is. I think it's fascinating that you can create these two products just out of salt, water, and electricity. Can you kind of just walk us through how it works? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It almost sounds that simple, right? The hard part is because it's innovative and people are set in their ways, whether they're standards or not. Restaurants have a lot of standards and the Department of Health comes in and regulates them. But um, ECA stands for Electrochemically Activated. And if you may remember, those listeners may remember high school chemistry, you had a lab where you had to bring in a flashlight battery, and the lab was to put an anode and cathode wire on the plus and negative of the battery and just drop it into a beaker of water and then count the bubbles and draw them. And that was your lab. That was proving the laws of electrolysis, which was proven in uh, the 1800s by Michael Faraday. And what the Japanese and Russians did, meh, almost two decades ago was to add salt to the water because when you charge water in chemistry, opposites attract. So H2O, everybody knows, uh, H is plus and O is negative. They get, when they're charged over an electrolytic cell, they, the positive and negative ions get pulled to the opposite poles. And that was proving the laws of electrolysis. When you add salt and ACL, let's say in this case, same thing happens to Na and Cl. It gets pulled to the opposite poles. And the novel, where it gets a little more complex, is that the novel patent around this cell, it will rearrange the positive negative ions and to salt water goes in. Two new streams are produced on site, on demand. One is a very effective detergent and another is a very effective disinfectant. So salt water is your only feedstock ingredients and electricity. Mostly renewable everywhere. Uh, certainly mostly benign everywhere. Um, but the actives, uh, sodium hydroxide is the detergents used in wastewater treatment, dish machines, laundry detergent, power washing. The uh, disinfectant is hypochlorous acid. Now, it sounds like acid, but the system maintains the pH just under neutral, around 6.8. And that is akin to the same hypochlorous acid every human and animal has running through their bodies naturally to fight infection. Humans and animals have hypochlorous acid running through their bodies to fight pathogens. Um, so when we heard this, we we're like, oh my God, again, the holy grail for us, our, our religion is sustainability and impact. We started testing in all sorts of unique ways. 
getting studies and universities and users behind it as well. So again, the system ECA, electrochemically activated, is an on-site generator of a detergent and a disinfectant. Both have applications in oil and gas. We could put this into fracking wells. We could put it on wound care. And it's the beauty in this industry is there's no phytotoxicity to the plant. Got it, which means that if you're spraying it on your plants as a preventative, as like maybe as like a preventative for powdery mildew or mold, that it being on the plant under lights is not going to burn the plants. Yeah, and I think the key with this and what I'm learning more and more about uh, the cannabis industry is prevention is key. And that's the same because you have human error, which you can't control. You might have the right concentration and dilute it down and your equipment's doing it properly, but a user might wipe their face and they're sick and then they touch the food and then it can spread a, a pathogen. So discounting the human error, I would say with the system and in particular hypochlorous acid, which we call for short hypo, you would dilute it, the concentrated form down, and the applications abound in the industry. And it's a mildew site. So in other words, it's a sporicidal mold and mildew. It's a bactericide and it's a viricide, like hoplite and viroid can be classified mm -hmm. as a virus of sorts. So it's... Um, the applications are amazing. Uh, it's been approved for all these uses. It's been used as wound and eye care for decades. It's used for animals for wounds and eyes as well, not just humans. Uh, when you dilute it down, we say it, it can be used from seed to harvest and all equipment. So to help prevent hoplate and viroid from spreading, you want to make sure you have clean, sanitized tools, trays, equipment, boot wash, the gloves, you know, the, all these touch points, uh, you can spritz it, dilute it onto the seed to help prevent mildew from forming there. You can put it into irrigation water uh, for helping prevent biofilms and algae there. You can shock treat at a stronger solution, you know, a well or a pond or whatever that got some algae in there. Mm -hmm. You can then use it to cleanse the plant itself. You can help prevent root glue and, you know, impeding the nutrient feed into your plants. You can use it all the way to the end product we're seeing too, because we've heard a lot of powdery mildew and other fungus can form E. coli in the drying rooms. So we also have another tech that will fill a room very quickly with a very fine particle of water. So it'll float to the ceiling, to the ground, under and on top of surfaces. And the beauty from what we have from the FDA, it doesn't leave a residue. So we can fill a room with hypofog, as we call it, and it'll help decontaminate, prevent mildew from forming in your even your drying room, let alone maybe E. coli like this one woman was talking about, because right. another university study we got from Kansas State University, a leading voice in agronomy, found that they got a 7.8 log reduction of E. coli on inoculated grains for a flour mill. Now, those are dusty grains, and we fogged it on there. And the log 7-8, if you look at Clorox on a shelf in a retailer, which is usually the devil in our industry, but I'm just using it as an example. That's bleach, which a lot of users in cannabis use as much as they Definitely. don't want to. Yeah. But they put on their label. And they're not using that on the plants. They're using it on their, like, through their irrigation. Yeah, or equipment. On their tools. Them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> which can be dangerous, harmful, fatal you know, uh, bleach and hypochlorite, sodium hypochlorite in this case. But they claim a log three, which is 99.9% .9 reduction. And you think that's amazing, right? Yeah. Log 7.8 is 
7.89s. So that's a 99.9999998 log reduction of E. coli. And they got that under 10 minutes of fogging. Wow. And when we were at CanMed and we were talking about the potential of putting it into drying rooms, a lot of the growers, directors of cultivation knew that that's a big source of a problem because that's also where your regulators do tend to come in, right? And they test the flower before it's allowed to be put into the market for pathogens, but also pesticidal or, you know, uh, other contaminants if they're over a certain log, right? Uh, right. To regulate it before you can sell it. Yeah. Uh, so we think it's a great additional application. And the FDA gave us an approval recently. This is, I think, interesting that you can use hypochlorous acid on food. And this is the FDA saying this. So I can use that same hypo on food, chicken, meat, fruits and vegetables, produce, seafood, as a sanitizing step without having to rinse because it doesn't leave a residue right before I serve it to eat. So I can put it on my baby lettuce greens that are organic because the USDA said it's organic approved also for use uh, for organic facilities. But before I serve it to my mother to eat, I can just dip it in hypo, let it drain 10 minutes, done. That sounds really amazing and weird. <laughs> At the same time, I'm going to actually say think about it, that you could just like dip something, you know, dip food in, into uh, a, a chemical, basically is what it is, and serve it because it doesn't have any residue that it's going to uh, kill any like human pathogens and not leave a residue. And so it pretty much like evaporates right yep. off the bat. That's what that means, right? Yeah, very efficient. It just doesn't leave a residue. A lot of the sanitizers, disinfectants in our industry, the biggest one is quat, as they call it for short, quaternary ammonium chloride, leaves a residue on purpose, like on a bowl of wine glass. You just ordered a $100 gla- you know, bottle of wine or a glass of wine. That glass, previously, they did their job by the Department of Health standard. You dip it in quat and it leaves a, a residue on that wine glass, even though it's clean, to have the kill time for pathogens. So it's kind of like... That's basically liquid. like the blue stuff in the, the triple, the third bay in the bar yes. sink. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yep. So this does not leave a residue, which is part of the beauty of it. If it enters the water, it quickly dissipates almost immediately without leaving any harsh byproducts at all. Now, salt water and air essentially is what happens. Right. All right. Well, you just said a lot. <laughs> and I want to back it up a little bit um, and kind of tease some of those things out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so when you are talking about an on-site manufacturer, you have, you have two ways that that people can interact with this product because they can buy it as like a packaged item, right? And that's the plant envy product, but they could also invest in an on-site system where they can be making these two streams themselves. They, They can, turn salt and water into these hypochlorous acid, which is the sanitizer, and then into sodium hydroxide, which is the detergent. Correct. And so I'm imagining that the on-site thing takes some investment, but probably has like an upfront cost, but over time becomes more cost efficient for one thing, but it's also more environmentally sound because you're not dealing with buying products all the time that are packaged in plastic. You're not paying for the cost of shipping products that are mostly water. And there's a couple quick things to unpack there. Yes, you're correct. Today, they can buy the hypochlorous acid. It's registered in every state. None of our competition has registrations that we've seen. 
which typically the regulators want to see if it's a dispensary or, excuse me, a retailer selling to the growers. They're regulated and regulators come through. This is certified, registered in every state. So when you say registered in every state, it's registered with who exactly? EPA. Because we have hypochlorous acid, EPA regulators know that's traditionally a sanitizer or disinfectant. So it falls under the EPA, not the FDA in this case. Gotcha. So the end solution they could purchase today under a different brand name, Plant Envy is about to launch. So I'm happy to share that, plantenvy.com. It's E-N-V-I, plantenvy.com. It's more specific hypo for that application. And in the next few weeks, we're going to have that registered in every state. But we already have the disinfectant registered in every state under a different name called Effectant. So yes, they can buy it today and have all the approvals they need, FDA, EPA, to start using it. And so is it registered to be used as an application on the cannabis plant? When you say it's registered by the EPA, does that automatically include cannabis? Or does every state have different rules about what can be used on plants? I would say... I don't know the answer. I mean, I know that Vermont has its own list, you know, um, but I'm just trying to to understand that because I I know that we have listeners in all different states and I don't know Mm -hmm. if they would need to like go and look at their own state's list of approved products that they can use from, as you say, seed to harvest. Right. So yes, the master label for effectant is the other product name, product. The master label is a much larger label than you see on the bottle. The beauty of that is I don't think anyone else in the industry is going to get it without a lot of hardship, but we were able to get it in there years ago for applications, and it specifies on the master label cannabis and multiple uses for farms. Okay. So that's one thing. California, outside of California, and maybe New York is a little touchy about certain things, but California beyond anyone else, as everybody probably already knows regulation-wise, Whereas we might be able to get a registration within a couple few months in New York State or Michigan or Washington, California is nine months minimum. So California puts you through a different rigmarole for sure. Um, But we do already have effectant registered in California as a hospital-grade disinfectant. And on the master label, it has applications specific to cannabis. For the machine, Got it. the on-site generator. They can be yeah. large machines that are size of a refrigerator or mostly what we install are the ones that are size of a medicine cabinet. And then, yes, we would survey the location. We know what their requirements are, demands are, where we just need water, steady pressure of water, a floor drain, and electricity, steady electricity. And then we can set up a system. The system, the beauty for the environmentalist, which I really am, is it does reduce large volumes of plastic from having to be made, used, disposed of, replaces harsh hazards, dangerous chemicals that your listeners are using all day, every day, and concentrate, can burn a hole through concrete, God forbid, if it gets on their skin. So we're replacing hazardous polluting chemicals, and we're reducing carbon emissions because you're right, every gallon weighs 8.3 pounds. So that's usually shipped in dirty diesel trucks from all over Ishkabip to finally get to the user. So we're reducing carbon for the shipping imprint, but also the plastic imprint. So it's a beautiful system for that, but it's for the right size farm or user. Uh, So it isn't much more expensive when they're dealing with slim margins, particularly in food. We'll be right back after a short break. 
Hey there, it's me again with a friendly reminder to follow our lovely little show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're really digging what you hear, like the show, review it, and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Take care, and thanks for listening. So specifically for cannabis industry use, when you're trying to get a cannabis business to come on board with your product lines, like what are the top things that you're putting in front of them as benefits? Number one, this helps reduce and prevent pathogens. Number two, that will help increase your yield because we have seen how these fungus, mildew, powdery mildew, fusarium, HLV, pythium, reduce the value of your crop, right? So those are the top two things I lead with, um, I would say. And then the applications for hypo are abound. I mean, our competitors that sell an end solution that are not approved by the EPA, we're going to be less than half the price, more than twice the concentration, actually and much longer shelf life. That's the beauty of the tech that we ultimately settled on. We had the longest shelf life in the industry. It's, we get results up to two years now, which is unheard of with free available chlorine and hypochlorous acid. So that's where I would lead. It's less expensive. Um, the applications, it's also non-toxic. You know, I mean, if a lot of these growers, farms, cannabis, food, they say they really care about organic or safer stuff, but there's not always a lot of options available to them. So they settle on whatever the, their partners or friends or advisors or their bosses told them to do. One other study that we did at the beginning of the pandemic was we saw the opportunity using hypo to decontaminate rooms or surfaces mm -hmm. in the air. Most pathogens spread in the air by far not touching a doorknob or touching your nose and then touching your cutting, it's actually in the air. So we ran tests at SUNY Stony Brook and they got incredible results. Again, beyond what Clorox bleach can do, they got a log four reduction in under 10 minutes, but the beauty, they ran tests that showed no toxicity to pulmonary and skin cells. That means at a certain parts per million, it is okay to inhale it. So that should make users feel even better. If I were an operating farm right now, I would make sure my staff has to walk through, yeah, boot wash, and they have the gowns on, but then they stand in a fog room to decontaminate whatever might be on their PPE or their body for mm -hmm. a safer grow. It's all about prevention. Right, right. I mean, one of the hot topics right now that you're seeing in – industry uh, news outlets is something that you mentioned already, which is the, is it hop latent viroid? Am yeah. I saying that correctly? Yes, ma'am. I think I just saw an article in California that like 90% of the growth, the cultivation operations there right now are infected with it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to know that you've got it because it doesn't make itself known until like the end um, yeah, of the growth cycle, like right before you're about to harvest, all of a sudden everything kind of uh, goes haywire and basically it really destroys your yield and it also destroys cannabinoid content. Um, and yeah. because it takes so long to know that you have it, 
you know, it's like, it's in all your cuttings from your mom's. Like your mom is infected with it and you don't know and you do all these cuttings and your whole harvest has the potential to have it and you won't know until the very end. And so it can be devastating to a cultivation facility. And so it's a real concern right now. It's not just in California, but it seems to be spreading as in Massachusetts. And so this product that you have, I mean, what evidence, this is one of the reasons why you were invited to CanMed, right, was to talk about the potential of the antiviral Yes. Abilities of this product. Yeah. And again, it's about prevention because hop latent viroid has the name latent because it shows up very late in your product and your grow. So once it's inside the plant, systemically in the plant, you can't get rid of it. Right. So it's yeah. really about prevention. We do have, uh, you know, we've started to work with uh, Simon Fraser University, Dr. Punja, who is a big voice in cannabis. He's excited to run tests using hypo uh, for, you know, uh, against hop latent viroid because it is like the hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. We have a user of our program. They have our equipment, actually. So they subscribe the equipment in Northern mm -hmm. California, and it's a cloning operation. And in over a year, he has claimed that using our program and certain practices, he has prevented hop latent viroid. Um, so that's pretty significant, and we really want to continue to prove that out using the right sources. Um, but again, it's about prevention. You can use this in cuttings, uh, damage repair safely. Um, and we have also found, by the way, another key benefit, not just helping prevent pathogens, but what hypochlorous acid studies have shown overseas, it triggers the RNA of the plant. So that's the internal defense system of a plant. When you trigger the internal defense system of a plant using something non-toxic, in theory, and what these studies showed, you had a more productive plant, a more virile plant, a stronger, robust plant. Mm -hmm. That could be cannabis, obviously, tomatoes, whatever you name it. And so, like, how are you approaching this? I mean, you want to move, as you said, into food and farming um, and with the cannabis industry growing the way it is like what is what's your strategy here and, and what are the challenges that you are seeing as you try to bring this product into into a new space yeah it's a great question i mean but that's the nature of my life i feel like i've always been for 30 years kind of disruptive hey here's a new concept get into it so it is really important to have some early adopters um mm -hmm. and i think what's great is that for us, even though we're, say, competitive, the industry is already using hypo, but they're using it to descale and demineralize water and so forth. Uh, but they're generally what I have found so far is that they don't know so many other applications for it. So getting those early testimonials, absolutely critical, which we have. Uh, the industry is already starting to use hypo. So we really want to target those users already and say, hey, this product is even better because of the price, yes, because of the concentration, yes. But the applications, you know, it, when I was meeting with CanMed and a lot of those directors of cultivation there, because it had a lot of KDMs, key decision makers there, these mm -hmm. to the top growers, the largest outdoor farms, that consistently they weren't using it in a lot of ways that they could. So where we found with the tech, whether it's at Google's headquarters or whatever, you start small. Here's a stage. Let's build from that platform. Use it in these few ways. Let's see what happens. Uh, and then they build their confidence with something new, and then they try more and so on. 
that's what we have found pretty successful. The challenge for the entrepreneur is I want to help the world yesterday. <laughs> and so yeah. sometimes this takes a little bit longer um, to get there. But I think the industry is really ready because if their top concerns are pathogen control and yield, hypochlorous acid uh, definitely helps control pathogens and helps improve your yield and the, the value of your crop. You also mentioned at the beginning the idea of using this product as a, um, a fogging agent in yeah. drying and curing rooms, which is one of the places where a lot of things can go wrong pretty yeah. quickly. You know, I mean, a, a lot of work goes into uh, growing a really beautiful crop that's clean. Um, but then after that, you know, after harvest, you have a whole set of other challenges in order to get that product to market safely um, with molds and mildews. Well, and I would say human pathogens too, you know, just how clean your staff is and your, your facility. Um, and so talk a little bit more before we say goodbye about that idea of like fogging in those spaces and the safety of that. I mean, it seems like, you know, I know that's a place where a lot of people need help and a lot of factors going into to doing it right. Um, but there's a lot of places, especially some of the bigger growers and manufacturers that are using a, like irradiation, which, uh, you know, yeah. like I, I never like the sound of that, you know, yeah. um, which yeah. is basically like, I, th I, I believe the concept is, is that when you're irradiating the product, like you have like molds and mildews that are active, but when you irradiate them, you're like, killing them and maybe making them inert, but the end consumer is still getting it. But again, your product is preventative, where if you get a clean product into the drying, curing stage, your product could possibly help prevent the, the growth from beginning in the first place. Yeah, especially powdery mildew or E. coli or things yeah. like that that tend to grow in a humid area, uh, and they love that humidity. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I mean, I think the fogging aspect for a drying curing room is very new. Um, so if anything, we've kind of shared a bit of a secret. But I think what I th is exciting for a grower, they typically have more than one drying room. I would strongly urge them to give us a call, send us an email, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And we'll turn them on to uh, ultrasonic fogging and they could dose our hypo into it. Because it's pH neutral, you're going to get less harmful impact. And if you have a very acidic hypochlorous acid, that's out there too. That's number one. But they can test it out in their yeah. gross. And that's what we're in the discussions with some of the majors right now. We're looking for the best strategic partners to continue to prove this out um, because they're very interested in that. What does it yeah. do to the terpenes, right? And the concentration right. of the cannabis, you know, all of that. So it's... The applications of fog, I think, are very, very compelling. It's very early. Uh, we know how effective it is in a research uh, and non-toxicity out of universities. But onto the cannabis plant or onto fruits and vegetables, we know it'll be effective. We want to also learn with the users, did it have, what kind of impact did it have on the concentration or, you know, the terpenes or the THC levels or whatever on your plants, in your plants? Um, I believe there won't be much in particular, if any, if you're using it in a way that isn't bombing the area and just over fogging it or too strong of a concentration. So we would want to work with the user to make sure we're manipulating the greatest chances for success. But 
we do know it's non-toxic to humans and animals and plants. So we think our chances are very high that certainly it's safer and less expensive than radiation, um, mm -hmm. which I also believe reduces the concentration of your product and value. Good. All right. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting things ahead in this area. Um, I look yes. forward to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to learning more as it goes and hearing what your clients are experiencing. That's super cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I ask everybody this at the end. Um, which is to speak to to one thing that you're doing right now as a part of your self-care routine to take care of yourself. You're a busy entrepreneur, mm -hmm. building a business, maintaining business growth. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you what do you do to <clears throat> stay healthy? That's a great personal question. I would say for me, as much as I've read, again, I'm in my fifties now. I'm very fortunate that. I have in my backyard where I am half my time, not just in Brooklyn, but upstate New York. I make sure every morning I don't look at my electronic devices. I do my form of meditation, some exercise, and maybe an hour or two later into the day, that's when I'll start looking at my phone. I think it's really important to have a balance and break up your day, take a walk, have lunch outside, because that fresh perspective really helps with the stress, you know, because when you're the founder of your own company, the book kind of the buck stops there and the air gets thin at the top <laughs> and it is challenging. There's no doubt. Um, so I think it's a great question. What I do as a religious practice is I'll make time for myself. I'll take those walks. I'll do what I do, chant over the lake and then take yeah. a bike ride. And then I get to work kind of like yeah. is my routine. Start in nature. Awesome. Yeah, or nature nurture before you nature. get sucked in because you can really get sucked in. And next thing you know, you've been looking at emails or writing emails or reading, uh, answering customer questions, uh, you know, and it's the end of the day and yeah. you didn't really take care of yourself. And the health, your health comes first. You know, without that, what good are you to your company, your customers, your family? Uh, so I think uh, nature and nurture, if you don't have nature out your back door, then you can still find ways of nurturing yourself. Uh, just, you know, listen to your breath, check out, you know, be silent for a while, you know, just let it go <laughs> before you jump in. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Anselm. I really appreciate our conversation yeah, today. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks go out to my creative crew at High Fidelity, Olaf Willoughby and Shane Lynn, and to the team at Syntax in Motion for producing this show. A special shout out to Will Davis, my sound engineer. Thanks to you for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you heard, subscribe on our website, hi5vt.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Better yet, like, share, rate, or leave a comment. You can request topics or interviews for our show by emailing us at bewell at hi5et.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, be well and have fun out there.